Well, we begin the series today. Things to come. Are you ready to learn? Are you ready to learn? We're going to dig into God's Word together. And uh, I'm going to share my heart. But we have uh, in our pop-up little store, part of our library, uh, everything purchased there. Some money goes to missions. Uh, some books on uh, the end times. If you'd like to be doing some kind of independent study throughout the week, uh, my wife will be in the library and pop-up center after the service. Most asked uh, prophecy questions. Illustrated Guide to the End Times, uh, Basic Bible Prophecy, just uh, feel free to go uh, to the pop-up center just outside the library after the service. I asked, are you ready to learn? And I got, for the most part, a response that said yes. I, uh, I hope you really are ready to learn. This series, as much as I strongly feel I'm supposed to be teaching it, um, causes me to shake in my soul a little bit. because so many people have so many opinions about so many things. And so many different people have taught different things on this subject. And I have spent so much time before the Lord in December, I have reread Matthew 24, I don't know how many times. But in reading it, I've been praying a very simple prayer. Oh God, oh God, oh God, help me to preach your word and not the doctrines of men. Help me to preach your word and not the doctrines of men. Wisdom really allow, it puts us in a place where uh, God can give us a chiropractic adjustment to our opinions. And my prayer here is that we will be all open to God adjusting our opinions. to line up with God's word. And so, and pray for me, but I've been praying it. Oh Lord, help me just to be absolutely true to what I see your word saying to us. I grew up in a preacher's home in Southeast Calgary. Our next-door neighbors had three kids. The first one was Carol. Carol 
had to be 12 years older than me. I really knew nothing about her other than she was a lot older than me and she didn't pay a whole lot of attention to me. I understand that now. And then they had two kids who were close to my age, Craig and Laurie. As neighborhood kids, we would often meet on their front yard and we would play tag. Tag's a fast-paced game. Tag's a great game because you can actually check out of it for about 10 minutes and come back and play it again. Tag was a, is and was a great game. You've all played it. Except when you're it. When you're it, it's not so much fun. Not so much fun. Played a lot of tag on that front yard. Lori played it too. She was the girl who was about my age. But Lori played at a distinct disadvantage to the rest of us. Lori was born with defective eyes and spent the rest of her life as a result of that with glass eyes. She couldn't see. She couldn't see at all. She played with us. She was a, she was a goer. She, she wanted to be doing what the rest of us was doing, but when she played tag, she played tag at a very distinct disadvantage. We're going to be at a very distinct disadvantage in this series, Things to Come, if we're not going to let God open our eyes to see clearly. If you're going to insist on being blinded by the opinions and doctrines of man, I'm going to upset you a lot over the next three weeks. Sorry. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to hear and see and understand. You see, if we're talking about a biblical overview of the end times, the place we have to get our answers is in God's Word. And so this morning, we're going to start in Matthew 24. But before we do that and open your Bibles or find it on your electronic copy, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and just purify our hearts 
to a place where we are willing to humbly bow before your word and hear what your spirit would want to say to us. Give us eyes to see, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 24, verses 1 and 2. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you that there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. The disciples are all impressed with the wonderful temple structure. Jesus says, yeah, okay, it's neat. But there won't be one stone left upon another that will not be thrown down. I talked about this three or four Sundays, three or four weekends ago. Don and I have had the privilege of being in Israel three times. The second last time, or the second first time, whichever, the middle time, uh, we were out wandering around the streets of Jerusalem alone, and I came to this pile of stones, and I took a picture of Donna in the middle of it, and I got back to our tour guide, and I said, what are those pile of stones about? And the tour guide said, those are from 70 AD, about 40 years after what Jesus said what he said, when the entire city of Jerusalem and the temple structure was torn down and not one stone was left standing upon another. Not one stone was left standing upon another. Why do I start there? I start there because I want everyone to understand that if Jesus said it, it's going to happen. If Jesus said it, it's going to happen. <laughs> There's the evidence of verses 1 and 2. So Jesus goes across the street, and verse number three, he sits down on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us then, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the age? Notice Christ's response isn't, what, who told you that nonsense? There's gonna be no end to the age. Things are just going to go on and on and on and on and on and on as they've always been. Jesus does not respond that way. When the disciples say, what is going to be the sign of the close of the age, of the end of the age, uh, Jesus acknowledges that there is going to be an end to the age. So to understand the phrase, last days, end times, you have to understand that when the New Testament is talking about the end times, so the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, through to the end of the book, Revelation, last third of the book, when the New Testament is talking about end times, it's really talking about the period of time that started in Acts chapter 2. When the church was born, biblically, that is the end times. When the church is born, biblically, that is the last days. Acts 2, verses 16, 17, and 18. 
uh, Peter has talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and he says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, I'll pour out my spirit in all flesh. So in the last days, this, this is that. This is what I'm talking about. We're now in the last days. Peter introduces the reality that when the church was born, that Sunday when uh, 3,000 people, or that day when 3,000 people were baptized in water, that was the beginning of what the Bible calls the last days. So the last days have been existing now for, for 2,000 years. Biblically, that is the last days. And so the last days go on and on and on and on. But at some point, at some point, God is going to reach down his hand to a generation. He's going to say, you're it. You're it. You're the end of the end. The last day started in Acts chapter 2. But the end does come. It does not go on and on and on forever. At some point, God is going to say to a generation, you are it. So the early church is born, and we built a chart here and uh, to kind of help us with that. The early church is born, and the early church is pregnant with expectation. Right from the start of the church, the church has lived with this understanding that Jesus is coming back. The last word of Jesus to his disciples, or the last instruction the disciples got is they see Jesus ascending up to heaven from the angels. Yeah, Jesus is coming back in a similar manner. You've just seen him leave. They've lived in this expectation that Jesus is coming back. The church from the day it started has been pregnant with expectation that Jesus is returning. And you won't understand the New Testament if you don't understand that. There's this understanding, there's this expectation, there's this longing for the return of Christ. So they said uh, in verse number three, we've already read it, well, what will be the sign of the end of the age, the close of the age? And Jesus answers them, verses four and five and six, and he says, see that no one leads you astray. See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray, and you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you not, are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. So there's going to be some stuff happening, but the end is not yet. I like the phrase in here, see that you are not alarmed. God doesn't share these things with us to scare us. God shares these things with us to prepare us. 
God does not share these things with us to scare us. God shares these things with us to prepare us. Friends, we're not to be alarmed. We are not to be allowing a spirit of fear to come into our hearts and take over our lives. God's not saying this to scare us. He's saying this to us to prepare us. See that you not be alarmed. But the end is not yet. Next slide, please. So the church is pregnant with expectation, and during this period, uh, we see lots of deception, there's wars, and there's rumors of wars. Wars and rumors of wars. But the end is not yet. Verse number seven, for the nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pain. So we see time words in here, end of age, not the end yet. Uh, and now we've got this word beginning. So these are all about time. End of age, not the end, the beginning of birth pains. So the church is pregnant with this expectation of the Lord's uh, return. And then we get into this period called the beginning of birth pains. Now, many of us here uh, have walked through the birth of children. All of us understand the process. Before you have a child, you have a pregnancy. And before you have something come to birth, there are birth pains. So we've got this period uh, during the end times uh, that there's deception and rumors of wars. Uh, and then it seems to get more intense, this period called the beginning of sorrows. And uh, what does that look like? Well, there are wars. World War I was the dead, one of the deadliest conflicts in history with the number of casualties far surpassing that of previous conflicts. Uh, military and civilian casualties vary depending on the source, but about 20 million people died in the First World War. About 21 million people were, were wounded. There will be wars. In this period of the beginning of pains, World War II was the largest and bloodiest war in history. Number of military and civilian deaths and casualties vary from about 55 million to as high as 85 million. There will be wars. And there'll be earthquakes. Uh, Earthquakes have been on the increase for the last uh, six centuries. Notice the 20th century, and these are earthquakes, only the earthquakes that killed more than 7,000 people. The little ones, they're not counting here. 
earthquakes that killed more than 7,000 people, uh, 1,200 and some in the 20th century, if my memory serves me right. Uh, 1.3 million people died from earthquakes in the 1900s, the 20th century, and the 21st century, there have already been 800,000 deaths from earthquakes, and we're just to remind you in 2022, that graph, if that continues at that pace and the Lord doesn't come back, that graph will be four or five times as big as the one for the 20th century. There'll be wars. There will be earthquakes. There will be famines and war. And uh, famines and, uh, and deception will abound too. Next slide. So in this period uh, of the beginning of birth pains, that's what's, what's going to be marked. It's going to mark deception, earthquakes, famines, and wars. Acts chapter 24, verse 9. Then, so now we've got another timeline word. We've got another word about time. Then, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So then, these are all timeline words, friends. Then there'll be tribulation. So there's this period where the world, the church is pregnant with expectation of Christ's return. And then there's these beginning of birth pains. And then we enter into the years of the tribulation. The years of the tribulation. And what will happen in that period? Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray because lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So what comes after the birth pains? Then the tribulation. Now notice that the intensity of difficulties, the intensity of tribulation, the intensity of trials, the intensity of discomfort, the intensity of earthquakes, the intensity of wars, everything is increasing. The intensity of it is increasing. Uh, in this period of the tribulation, believers will be hated. Believers will be hated. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Why are you hated? Because of? Because of Jesus. Hmm, I thought we weren't going to be here. Well, whatever. Just let the word speak to you. Let the word speak to you. Believers will be hated. Believers will fall away from their faith. Uh, people will betray and hate one another. Increase in false prophets and deception. Lawlessness increases. Let's stop there just for a second. Lawlessness increases. I never. I always thought that was meant nobody was paying attention to the police anymore. Then I read it in a Jewish Bible. And you know what it said? People are ignoring the Torah. People don't care what the word says anymore. People don't care what the word says anymore. Lawlessness will increase. Lawlessness will abound. 
Love of many grows cold. And there's some light in all of this too. The gospel gets preached to the end of the world. So we get into this increasingly difficult time. And then in the middle of the tribulation, there's this thing called the abomination of desolation. When you see, so this is another timeline word, verse 15, Matthew 24, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. So you're going to see something. What are you going to see? Well, he's saying, refer here to Daniel. Figure out what Daniel says. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27 says that this abomination is to take place in the middle of a seven-year period known as the tribulation and in the middle of the week he will put up somebody the antichrist will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering and on the wing of abominations will come will come one who makes desolate there's going to be this abomination of desolation and it's going to take place in the middle of the tribulation now friends these are all time line words and so uh, I think I'm going to end there, but I want us to get off the chart and, and find, find the slide that, uh, you know, we're going to go back maybe one that says, forget the fancy chart. Forget the fancy chart. This is what's happening in Matthew chapter 24. If you're reading it, if you're reading it just like you've never read it before, the end is not yet, the beginning of, then, when you see, then there will be, immediately after, then. There's a very clear timeline in Matthew chapter 24. Friends, <laughs> I've been crying out to God, Lord, help me here. Because it's easier for me to teach what the theology book says than what the Word says. But, friends, this is the timeline that is crystal clear in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is talking clearly. And just like the stones got piled up, if he said this in the rest of the chapter, this is going to happen too. And is not yet the beginning of then when you see, then there'll be immediately after them. So we get into this period of the tribulation. You're going to have to come back next weekend to hear about the tribulation. I'm running out of time. But we're going to talk about and unwrap the last half of the tribulation, talk about more the first half of the tribulation. We're going to talk about the economy during the tribulation. But, and now the slide you had come up for me. The more important question than what we've talked about today so far is what's going to happen in the end times? More important question than that is what should we be doing about it? The more important question is what should we be doing about it? So I'm going to take you to 1 Peter. And 1 Peter, I think, gives us some pretty clear instructions. The end of all things is near. I'm not saying that 
God has said you're it, you discern that yourself. But I am absolutely sure that it's within hand's reach. The end of all things is near. So what do we do? Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do it as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do it as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He reigns. He reigns above it all. So what should we be doing about the fact that the end is near? How do we live as a result of the fact that the end is near? Well, here's God's revealed strategy for navigating the things to come. And the first one is have a sober perspective that brings you to the place of prayer. Have a sober perspective that brings you to the place of prayer. Friends. Friends. If the end is near, and my conviction is it is, there's nothing more important for the church to be doing than finding its way to the place of prayer. And we need to be seeing things clearly enough that we're not blind to this truth and we're not saying, oh, I got so much important stuff God wants me to be doing. I'm, I'm not going to pray. I'm going to get the stuff done. We see clearly. We see clearly. We, we're sober about this. We take it seriously. And we find ourselves in the place of prayer. Christmas Day. Marilyn Ash, a longtime member of our church, a sweet saint, our friend, had a massive stroke. And on Wednesday past, she went to be with Jesus. Marilyn's funeral is in this sanctuary at 10.30 this Wednesday morning. I encourage you to be here and to support the family. I'll miss Marilyn. Marilyn was a friend, and Marilyn was an encourager. And Marilyn, until the last three or four years, if we opened the door for a prayer meeting, she was here because she understood this truth. The church has to be taking seriously 
our responsibility to pray. We have to give ourselves to prayer. And uh, so as your spiritual leader, I'm calling us to pray and fast January 10th to 16th. We've got to see things clearly here, friends. We've got to see things clearly. Daily in-person prayer, Monday to Saturday, here at 9.45 a.m. Evening Zoom prayer meetings, uh, every day but Thursday night that week, Wednesday to Friday. Get your phones out, take the picture so you can join us on Zoom. You'll need that meeting ID and that passcode. I'd love that Zoom screen to be filled with a hundred plus people praying and crying out to God. If you need somebody to help you load Zoom, call the church and we'll get somebody to help you walk through that. Thursday night, January 13th at 7 p.m., we're going to meet at our Martinsville Warman venue, the Awakening Church, 208 Main Street, and worship God and call out to God in prayer. I still need to build a worship team for that night. If you can help with that, uh, please see me after the service. We're going to cry out to God. We're going to cry out to God. We're going to pray. We're going to seek his face. Oh, this is a really neat study. Oh, I'm not coming back anymore if it means I'm supposed to be praying. I'm not that interested in it. <laughs> we love studying things, don't we? First thing, so Peter says, is make sure you're giving yourselves to prayer. Bent knees are always the best way to stand up. Love each other fervently. Love each other fervently. I'll probably talk about this a little bit more in this series, but if COVID has been anything, uh, I think it's revealed in our hearts that we're not really good at handling things that aren't going well. And I think the Bible maybe hints that they're going to go a lot less well still. And friends, as they start going less well, we got to make sure we're loving one another. And we're not letting little differences of opinion divide us and push us apart. We're going to need each other like we've never needed each other before. Going to love each other fervently. And number three, practice hospitality. <laughs> and that comes back to what I just said. We're going to need each other, friends. My wife, I won't let her up here to affirm this, but my wife would tell you that uh, if we got problems in our house, the only way I know how to fix them is to get Google plumber, Google electrician, Google carpenter. 
Now I got a phone down there. Wave it so everybody knows I got a phone there, sunshine. I got a phone. But I have no intention of uh, making payments for a phone if I'm still around in the tribulation because I'll need a number to make the phone payments for the phone. So I can't phone anybody. I'm going to have to have some Christians around me who are willing to help me. We've got to be in relationship, friends. We've got to be in relationship. And it's not time to start practicing that 15 years from now. Practice hospitality. Number four, use your gifts to serve one another. This is all connected. We get on our knees. We love one another. We're hospitable with each other. We're here to serve one another. Now, and I said this before the service, but uh, this service is online. It's online because of a guy named Eric Beck. Eric and Jen, I had the privilege of marrying them, performing their marriage ceremony five years ago. And they attended here and served here, and then Eric works for Global Television, Global TV, and Global TV moved them to Edmonton. They had their first child a couple of months ago, maybe three months ago, I'm not sure of that timeline. And for the last six weeks, they've been on maternity, paternity leave. And he comes, and he comes to our church during paternity leave, and we have been really short, really short in terms of capacity to keep our online stuff going. Eric's first Sunday here, he walks in and says, you need any help over the next six weeks? I'll make it happen. <laughs> I'll make it happen. He's making online service happen today. Now, yeah. Here's a guy who, who serves because it's who he is. I have to confess, when I go on holidays, I don't go up to the pastor and say, anything you need me to do for the next six weeks, uh, just, just call me. But Eric's on holidays. Need any help? I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. We serve one another. We serve one another. So friends, more important, far more important than the timeline. And please don't come argue with me about the timeline. <laughs> I, I was just reading the Bible, sorry. Far more important than the timeline is are we doing what we should be doing in light of the timeline, in light of what God's Word says. So with eyes open, because this is really the only way to do this, I'd invite you to look at the screen, and we're just going to have a Selah moment. And I want you to talk to God about numbers one, two, and three, and let him speak to your heart. Make this a, a solemn God moment. Just you and Jesus. 
you and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come now. Holy Spirit, come now and speak to us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we're humbled before you now. We acknowledge that often we're a little blind. a little blind to what's really going on. Lord, we understand that this world as we know it is not going to go on and on and on and on and on. There is an end when everything will change and there's a whole lot more to the story yet, but I pray, Lord, that we would not be blind to that reality. That we would open our hearts to to whatever you want to be doing in our lives, in our church. Father, we get so wrapped up in in the stuff of this world. Bigger checks and longer holidays and nicer boats and 
You find it so easy to not think soberly, to think seriously about what you're doing. Father, we don't want to set dates or anything like that here. But we want to be spiritually sober people. We want to be spiritually alert. And so we just say, yes, Holy Spirit, to whatever you want us to know and learn. Over the next couple of weeks, speak by your Spirit. Lord, do some <laughs> chiropractic treatment in our spirits and align us up with your plans and your purposes and your word. We just invite you to do that, Spirit of God. We just invite you to do it. Come. Come, 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 come and help us. In Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen.